I, love how, I love how it always starts with yay. Right? I compared it to like when Catfish starts and they first, you know, I don't know who watched Catfish. I Damn know. it, no one ever gets that reference. No, no one gets it. All right. Hello and welcome to Neurotic Nourishment. I am Lindsay Weisner, clinical psychologist. I'm Sharon Sapir, non-clinical <laughs> nutritionist, and we will have a catchy jingle one of these days. Sure we will. You get right on that. <laughs> uh-huh. And we are very excited to have our guest, Gina. Gina is the host of the Ruccioni. Gina Ruccioni. Ruccioni. See, Ruccioni. I didn't want to attempt Ruccioni. and then you both, made me do it. You both fucked it up. Yeah, that was very mean. Um, but Gina is the attempt of the, of the attempt. The, uh, We're okay today. We're just, let's Deep breaths. Deep breaths. I don't like deep breaths. Okay. Shallow. Shallow breaths. Shallow, heavily <laughs> anxious breaths. Um, Gina is the host of a fantastic podcast, a series of unfortunate dates. Um, and Gina, you also have a, like more of an extensive background that I did not. But I mean, you and I spoke about it a while back, but can you tell our four listeners a little bit about the uh, <laughs> financing? Financing, yeah. <laughs> of course. Thanks, ladies. Um, yeah. So it's um, like extensive background. How fun. Um, well, come on. I'm, I don't want to dive that far. I'm like, how far back down the rabbit hole should I go? I think there is like some sprinkle of fashion and I worked in finance for a little while. And then at 30 years old, I was like, I don't want to work in corporate anymore. And I felt like the reason why cubicles were padded were so that I could bang my head against the wall. <laughs> and, then H- and then HR would be like, I don't see any bruises. <laughs> uh, you know, and then like, I'm like, no, work is literally beating the shit out of me. So then, yeah, I, yeah so I left that. And then at 30 years old, I thought, oh, I'm going to do I'm going to do this right. I'm going to be a stand-up comedian. That's how I'm going to, that was my first joke. I'm going to be a stand-up comedian for a living. Um, and then, and then. The living do, part? Is what? it the living part? Is it the making a living part? That's a joke about that? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and so then I did. What, I was funny. Oh, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did what most, um, what most comedians do in Hollywood, which is I got a job in a restaurant. Um, yeah. and so I, I was 30 years old and I, I got my first job host, like, re- like serving tables at a restaurant. And I was, don't get me wrong though. This was a bit more calculated than that. I had had a, uh, a blog that turned into a newspaper column and it was a food. Oh. Column. And so it wasn't as though I was, because in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to be a food person, like a funny food personality. And I was actually on a trajectory to do that. I was on a cooking competition on TV. Um, Wow. Yeah, I had, like, I did that dance. But then, you know, it wasn't as though, after I got booted off the show, it wasn't as though things were magically falling into place. And, um and I was like, well, now it's been two years and now I'm 32 and, and I'm still serving in a restaurant, but I don't see a viable trajectory. And also like I have degrees I should utilize. And th- so that the whole thing happened. And I think it was just because I vacillated also between, oh, you know, I really need to get a job that looks good on paper. But every time I did that, I, I was les miserable. I was like so <laughs> fucking miserable. <laughs> um and so this it turned into like food and beverage consulting and producing food and beverage events and then um 
and then cut to about six, a little over six months ago, I just hit burnout real hard because producing food and beverage event, events, there's a lot of drinking and there's a lot of food. And there were some several, always, I'm like several, always 14 hour days. Um, Wait, but th- so that means your pod- podcast has only been around for like six to eight months, you said? Yeah. Did I mishear? Yeah, no, wow. my podcast, I originally intended to start this podcast four years ago, but every time I would go to record, I'd get drunk instead. Oh, I don't blame you. I'm actually comfortable with that. I We actually, the first episode we, Sharon yeah. doesn't drink, but the yeah. first episode we did, I I very much wanted to, you know, yeah. sprinkle it with alcohol, but yeah. yeah. I just felt like, well, because I had also launched a podcast called Food Fashion and Foolish Fornication that had a whopping four episodes. But again, it was like mm-hmm. the things that I knew that needed to get done. So right now I'm the director of marketing for a creative agency in downtown LA. And a lot of that is, so I understand marketability. I understand how to help businesses become more marketable and also like, you know, help with strategy and, and, and branding and all that kind of stuff. And it's because I've had to do that for every time I've gone into another industry, I've had to start from scratch and, and make myself personally brandable. You know, it's like you're starting right. over. Um, see, we have, see, Sharon and I have similar talents in that Sharon can count calories and yell at me to drink less. And I can tell people what they're doing wrong and talk about my cats. Yeah, Wait, exactly. You sound like area i said i just talk about my cats i know but like i i feel like counting calories like it's very boring like i i don't i do too right had this before. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry we just had to no i'm just there. impressed like you know sharona and i literally were at the playground one day um we don't spend a lot of time there only when we're like shooting up but anyway <laughs> just that was a joke. Yeah, I said, yeah. Um, we were out at the playground, you know, so ignoring our children. And um, someone was like, how are you guys friends? You're so different. And you guys should do a podcast. And then we were like, good idea. That's not a bad idea. How do we do a podcast? Yeah. Three days later, Sharon just my house. She's like, I figured out how to do a podcast. Yeah, so. there's, a, there's this app. You just talk to your phone. There's an app. I Anyone like, can do a podcast. I was like, okay. So now we have a cat that's our producer. Shira the cat. Shira I the cat. This. I see this cat. It's like staring at me. It does look like, it looks neurotic. It's, well, we both are, so it should be too. But so I feel like you started this podcast with a huge amount of information oh, yeah. and I did just I did just google you and I, I I know I should be impressed because I recognize the name of the show you were on but I never watch anything so I don't know anything I, I never yeah I didn't yeah. watch it it's a, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that makes it better because I feel like if you watch a show then you psych yourself out if you're going to be on it but if you don't watch it it's like whatever oh but you know what's funny about reality tv and uh, everything? Because everything and so and, and being somebody from los angeles who is like oh a lot of my friends work in the industry i know how this works so when i made it i i had no doubt that i was going to make it on because i knew they were looking for a character i just didn't right. realize that the character they wanted me to play was not i was like oh that's who i'm supposed to be like i'm supposed to be the bitchy mean like the mean girl i'm like i'm not that's not my personal brand and so mm-hmm. i played the game very well yeah um, it's like politics sounds like yeah politics. absolutely and I'm just yeah. like, I'm, I, I'm like, I even remember <laughs> when I showed up, when I showed up, they had me, 
they they pull a different looks because I think they're trying to figure out who you are, right? So they right. Like pull different outfits out, and they put me in one outfit that was like in like black leggings. Uh, they basically took all of my pajamas and <laughs> together into an outfit. It was like my yoga, my black yoga pants, and like an oversized white t shirt, and like a flannel that like just freelance flannel that just like made its way into my fucking luggage and they like put this like quote first look together and I was like would you fuck me in this because I would <laughs> fuck me in this this looks like yeah. you're dressing somebody for a back to school Kohl's commercial I was thinking like more of a Seattle like beanie you know beanie yeah. on the head coffee like a beatnik right type. but also yeah. it's probably that I my my assumption is that flannel was not yours well, it was, it is no longer mine. I'll tell you that. After they shot the photos of my, my looks, I was like, if, if this is who you want me to be, we're done here. Like, we're <laughs> fucking done. And then I think I, then they tried to make me the hot girl, but like, I'm awkward. Like, I don't like, I'm not like a hot, sexy, that's just like not my vibe. And so I, I think we were all confused at the end. We were all very confused. And so I was gone. It's funny, though. It's a different type of, um, like, behind-the-scenes look. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't exactly think these reality shows are um, unscripted yeah. or, you know. <laughs> right. But it's, it's a funny because that part never, you know, doesn't occur. So I am a sucker for all the crappy reality shows. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And so how did, I mean, I think this is a pretty obvious answer, but was so a Okay, was there one bad date in particular that made you start oh. with Yes, yeah. So what happened was, is I was trying to, while I was working in food, I, so the last, I had, uh, so we could go way back. So in high school, I was most likely, I wanted the senior breakfast most likely to be a bachelorette for life. Ooh, and, nice. and at the senior breakfast, I was awarded my, my gift, which was a vibrating Oh, it was a vibrator. I'm like, it was a vibrating vibrator. If you've ever. <laughs> I mean, it's a vibrator. That is some. Oh, but you, you, you're from um, oh, LA. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because I would have had no clue what a vibrator was. In oh, yeah. we knew. I learned what it was from that movie, um, that Beverly Hills movie with Natasha. Oh yeah, American Pie. Uh, no, it was, she was in that, right? But there was another one with the, it was like a weird one, this like family that moves to Beverly Hills and I'm sure I'll, it'll pop into my head an hour. Later. I mean, I think I heard of it, but my first vibrator was actually gifted to me by, I had a male roommate and his girlfriend was not comfortable with that. <laughs> she oh, thought, it, yeah, it was a bitch move, but she, oh. yeah, she gave me a weird ass vibrator. But I mean, I don't think I really knew that there were things that you know, and I was in a senior in college, so so you were beyond your time. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't use it till years later because it was relatively, it was relatively small, and also I think it was like meant to be a gag gift, and I didn't know what to do with it, but I definitely kept it in the glove compartment of my car so that my mom wouldn't find it. Just in case, also. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, I don't want, and also it like looked, it like came in like a cheeky lifesavers like packaging it was I you know it was, like, it was fine like it, it wasn't like the state-of-the-art <laughs> vibrator that I have now that's got literally bells and whistles yes right you know <laughs> yes. What I mean? 
and you like wings. Like this, like one of my vibrators has wings on it. You know, I know. is that the rabbit? Yeah, oh yeah. I know that one. It yeah, has wings. It's like there's it's like pretty- a little fluttering wings or bunny ears. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I, you got to suck that one out. I was pausing trying to figure out if there was like a, a anatomical reason why the wings might be helpful. I didn't realize it was just for prettiness. Yeah. No, some of them, some of them are for stimulation. It's funny. I worked in a, well, I was like, where do we go? I was like, I worked in a lingerie store. So when I was in my early twenties and it was a very high end lingerie store. And so they had very fancy toys, very fancy toys, like Savarsky crystal whips. Wow! What? Yeah, like like just like high end chokers and like all kinds of stuff. Which, in hindsight, like in my early twenties, didn't know enough about sex. To I mean, I'm great at sales, but like me trying to sell some of this stuff was like, (laughs) oh yeah, it's great. You know, like that was the extent of my sales pitch. Was like, oh yeah, it's yeah, it's the mood. (laughs) <laughs> As opposed to being like, oh, it's ergonomically la 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 la, you know. So yeah, so most likely to be a bachelorette for life, and then there was a. So then when I started getting into comedy, my very first stand-up show was in the back of this bar, this like weird bar in Santa Monica, or no, not in Santa Monica, it's in West Hollywood. And um, my friend was producing this show called Sex Talks, where women got up and shared stories. And I was, I've always been a natural sort of storyteller. And everybody was like, you should do comedy, just like, like, you know, fine, great. And then I got up and I told the story. And it, there was one story in particular that kind of set it off, but I had been taking notes, you know, for the last four years, because I've just on I, bad days. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So there is an Excel spreadsheet. Wow, that is so <laughs> investment banker of you. Yes, I know. Except when I try to sort the columns, like you can't, because <sighs> you know, like all the details would be like, oh, and then he came in my eye, and like that's in columns. Oh, the worst, by the way. <laughs> I just want to. <laughs> there's like few things that are as painful. I don't know. We could, we could, okay. Yeah, we can rack some others up there, but yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's so. There's a whole bunch of information on this spreadsheet, and then I was like systematic. So then, as I became more evolved as a human, because in the last four years, I feel like I've done a lot of growing up, um, mm. and I, now it's sort of like systematically trying to understand myself and others better. And I find like a lot of the people on the podcast just don't fucking not necessarily on the podcast I mean myself included and also humans in general just have a difficult time communicating right I agree so it really came the podcast came about as a combination of um it sounds like horrible experiences and the need to also analyze dissect and understand yourself better through them right and it's also bonding we've all been on really crappy first or really crappy first second third whatever days right and it's nice to know you're not alone yeah right in that yeah, and I guess, like, consider the alternative. Like, what else are we going to talk about? The weather? Like, that's boring. And I feel like everybody, yeah. like you said, has these shitty dates, but depending on, or, like, weird experiences. And I think depending on, 
you know, what those look like for some people. I, I have a lot of people now that reach out and ask for advice, which, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I've definitely been on, you know, my mom is, my mom was a therapist. She just retired and she was, a. so I think a lot of that now, like wanting to analyze comes from living with a therapist my entire life. So you don't think that a mom, so my husband and I are both therapists. So you, you're saying you don't think that your mother fucked you up royally because that is a concern of mine. Your parents are too cute. Yo, oh, yeah. Your parents are too cute. Did you they, just, I think they might have. Adorable. Yeah. They're pretty darn. Yeah. But you know why they're adorable is because they're old. They're old. <laughs> no, there's I don't know. No, no, because if you experience them as I experienced them in my teens and you asked me if my parents fucked me up, I think, I don't think you're truly an adult until you stop blaming, blaming your parents and take responsibility for some of your own shit. So like, for example, I remember in high school not applying to formal colleges, right? Because my dad and my mom were like, no, why don't you just go to junior college? And then I spent my entire 20s blaming my parents for my lack of education. Mm-hmm. Even though I ended up going to college, I went to both art school and I went and studied psychology and economics. But, but, but I remember those first five years, be, like, you know, going to junior college and just blaming Blaming my parents for everything that was wrong with me. And, right. and like, that's, some people are going to, people blame people for all kinds of shit. But I remember hating. I mean, I told my parents to go fuck themselves multiple times. But now. No. But yeah, now, everyone's in love. No. <laughs> I thought that was something everyone does. I guess not. No, I put my parents up on a pedestal for years and years and years and years till I hit my 30s. And then. I realized that there is, they did fuck up things, but they didn't mean to. It was just, they did the best they could. Yeah. And so I dealt with, you know, okay, acknowledging it, but then like now I have to move the fuck on because. Well, I agree. And, you know, I, so Gina, I would just fine tune for that tweak what you said. Yes, you're not an adult until you, I guess, stop blaming your parents and move on. But I think you're also. Part of that is realizing that some of your patterns, particularly romantic and dating and any interpersonal relationships, are probably related to ways your parents did fuck you up. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, and definitely you've had a few guests on where I was like, you know what? That has something deeper to do with, you know, with like a parent relationship, with a, you know, a previous fucked up situation. And then they're looking to repeat what's familiar and yet fucked up. So I, so for example, cause I just recorded an episode specifically with my dad where he and I sit and, and, and chop it up and, you know, I, it's not as though, and I talk about this a lot too, because I had a really rocky past with drugs growing up. Um, and my parents are aware to the extent we don't get too deep into it because I, I don't think the details don't matter. Um, but, but I am. I'm, I'm sober now. And, and in part, it's, you know, what I noticed is growing up, there was a lot of childhood angst and, and not feeling and feeling very lonely. And I feel like a lot of people go through all kinds of stuff. But, but if I could, if I was going to pick apart how my parents particularly raised me, and I was thinking about this the other night, I feel like my interpretation of my childhood was very lonely in the sense that I was alone a lot. 
And also, I was an only child. So some of the behaviors that I realized that sort of manifested for me. And then as I grew up, like I remember getting really, really bad into drugs in my early 20s because I was living alone and I didn't know how to be alone. I didn't know how to be alone. And so I would latch on to anybody that gave me any any sort of attention, even negative attention, because I would rather be with that than be alone. Possibly, especially negative attention, because then when the positive attention comes, it's such a windfall, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, like, but, but what you're describing is similar, like, my specialty is anxiety, and there's, um, in, like, drug and rehab literature, there's something called HALT, which is hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and, um, I apply it for anxiety as well, and, I mean, what you're saying makes sense, you know, a lot of people you're looking to make a physical change in your body, hoping that the mental change follows. Oh, that's absolutely, that's absolutely. And then I noticed also there was, um, my dad, when I was growing up, I remember my perception of him. And though we are very close, I remember him being angry and distant and not in the sense that like, but just not very affectionate. And so it's funny now because we talk about this. I mean, he and I are, again, very, very close. I mean, we talk about everything. But uh, it was always not, it was never, my, neither of my parents were very affectionate. It wasn't like we hugged or said, I love you. And so it's funny now, I notice in dating, my love languages and what works for me. Right. It's something that I seek out is verbal affirmation and physical touch. Those right. are the ways in which I feel like I'm being loved. But I'm hyper aware of all this because I guess I, I guess you could say I did the work. Right. You know, Which I understand true. now what I like and what I don't like. And I know what's healthy and what's not healthy. I mean, isn't that the goal is yeah. to understand yourself enough to get to that place? And then whatever relationship you do end up being in will likely be a more healthy relationship. Knock once on wood. You, yes. Knock on wood. Once you understand yeah. that. Absolutely. Somebody right now, and Ooh. and I and although it's it's very early, it's only been like a month, and I um, you know, I we're still getting to know each other, but it already feels different for me because of the way that I've decided to approach this one differently, which is one being very communicative, very open. I don't play games. And it's funny, just, I think when we talk about just vibrations and like the level that what you function on, like some of the things that I was entertaining in my early twenties, I wouldn't even, don't even warrant a response anymore. So with this guy, like whether or not he's the one, I, I don't know. I think it's too early to tell, but just the behaviors that he exhibits now, like those are baseline calling to check in, being polite. Right, like making <laughs> right. plans, making plans to see me, like yeah. those, that's fucking normal. So yeah, one of my yeah. girlfriends, one of my girlfriends is dating somebody right now, and she was like, "It's so bizarre." He like calls to check in. And I, was like, <laughs> she, I was like, "That's, but that's, but that's actually baseline. Like he should call to check in. He shouldn't ghost you after you have sex." Like, why are we, and when we make excuses, well, he was busy. Well, he was not busy. No, no, no. But we have this crazy tolerance and I think that tolerance 
depends a lot on our shit that we haven't worked through. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Shit that we're used to. Yeah. Right. I agree. hundred percent. Let me ask you a question. Do you think there, do you believe in such a thing as the one? Um, so here's here's what i think i think i would like to spend my life with one person that's what Mm -hmm. i in terms of the one we could get a little weird we could get a little wonky with this in the sense that i think i could make it and this might sound strange but i think i could make it work with almost anybody because if i decide that i'm the kind of person that if i say i'm going to do something i do it um, I operate very much with a lot of integrity and yeah. I'm also very communicative. So I'm willing to work things out. I'm willing to make things work. So if I meet somebody and he's operating of the same and operates of the same mindset, then yes. Do I, but I also think we are all on a path and what works for something or someone doesn't necessarily work for the other. And somebody's like, well, your soulmate could potentially be in Bali, right? But you're never going to get to Bali. I don't think that's how life works. I think, I don't we're, on a, I think we're on a path and things yeah, I, into our paths. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, I, and my path doesn't necessarily take me to Bali. I don't fucking know. You know, I don't know. But I know, it's, you know, in terms of hiring, I'll say it like this. When I think about employees and people that I've hired and interviewed in the past, let's say I have about 15 qualifications I'm looking for in, in a new hire. And nice. I, I get fucking 50 resumes. And the first resume comes through, whatever, and then I meet this person in real life, and they tick 10 of the boxes. Well, I'm looking for all 15. So I scrap that resume. I scrap that human onto the next. So of the 50 people that I interview, if I hit, if I get to the, like, uh, uh, like I said, of the 50, if I get to number nine and he's got everything I look, I'm looking for, I hire him. I don't continue to interview all 50 people. I found what I was looking for. I think the difference is people don't know what the fuck they're looking for. Or they're looking for the wrong thing, but yes. I think they're looking for the wrong thing. I've always heard that a soulmate is somebody who who's you you learn from and you teach things to. Uh, like, I like that like, idea. Also. Say that again because it cut out. What is that? Sure. Um, I've heard that a soulmate is somebody that you learn from and who learns from you. That oh, it's yeah. really like everyone in our life is meant to be part of the teaching experience. Oh, yeah. Sharona's spiritual very she loves not in bad way she loves <laughs> we had a fight over, had a fight over this sharon loves tom campbell <laughs> he's really cool and very complex and well he he talks a lot about consciousness exploration like what's our purpose and it a lot of it speaks to me i i do see life as a learning experience as which is why when I was listening to um, a pre- you know, one of your previous guests, I was like, wow, this person sounds very evolved. I, I don't th- think they I, really I know, were. But that, I know. But, <laughs> but, it, but it's interesting because Sharon and I, this is one of the areas where we express, you know, we approach things from different um, ways. But I, you know, I agree with you. Listen, I don't think my, I'd like to think that if I, there's someone I'm, quote, meant to be with or the one, we would have met in one way, if not another. Like, even if I didn't go to Bali, maybe he was over here but for I, a wedding. I agree with that, because I think yeah. the universe 
is a, a sort of like there's got to be a the, the pattern the, yes. a path yeah there's a path i mean ants have a path and their ant what's that ant thing oh called? my gosh that reminds me of that time that i ate too many edibles in yeah, california <laughs> Sam and there was this like in, it was encased there were these like little ants what's it called an ant hill? but I, I had like four times the amount of what I was supposed to have because it's California and I you know wasn't very um I wasn't an expert on edibles and I got oh, you became an expert on ants yes and, and I was like I was telling everyone I was like you guys it looks random but there's a pattern which I sort of agree with <laughs> the ants are following a pattern I mean I agree that you know edibles everyone's been there but I also agree with like the path of it but it yeah. you know it is interesting to I think when I was younger I was more into the one you know I met my husband and I was like oh just met the man I'm gonna marry and you know fine that didn't mean you know, did I manifest that or, you know, like it's all complicated. And yeah, I think is- it is complicated. And I also think like, you know, I-, I struggled too with, oh, I've got to find somebody who's extraordinary. Like, it's mm. like, you know, like, because I, and I'm not sure why, I'm not sure why there's this idea of like needing to find somebody extraordinary who just blows me away. You know, and I, 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 I don't even know what the fuck that means. Like, you know, what is he supposed like, I think what works again, what works for some people doesn't work for others. The person that I'm dating right now, again, like it's very new, but there are things about him. There are just inherent qualities that he has that like are very attractive to me. They wouldn't be attractive to somebody else. So and also, like, for example, his job is something that I particularly am fascinated by. Like, a lot of, I think, like, but I just so funny. I was wandering through this bookstore last night, and I, I picked up this book as a joke. It's How to Marry a Multimillionaire. I'm not even... Uh, great great I, book, I'm sure. Yeah. Classy not, women read that book. <laughs> after. I wouldn't want to date somebody who has schedule in which he's he's a jet setter and he hops on a jet he needs to be all over the world all the time I don't want to date somebody who's in the limelight I want like a solid stable man so it's funny right so like some women I know that are swiping right and left on dating apps they're like looking for a doctor or an attorney actually those things don't really interest me um yeah so so again it's like so when he talks about work like he he talks about wanting to he, you know, has people under him that he likes to help them develop their soft skills because it's important for him to build a strong foundation, even with the people who will work with him and for him so that as he continues. I like him. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, we like him. Yeah, we like him. <laughs> he sounds great. And he sounds like he would be a good, in theory, like because he's going to do something he doesn't. Right. He's reliable. He's reliable. And it sounds like he'll be supportive of your aspirations. And he's not, he doesn't sound like a stupid alpha male. He's just all about like, getting it done. Like he cares right. about the soft skills because those matter. Yeah. Relationships matter. Yeah. Right. I, I also think when you say extraordinary, I think um, uh, narcissists. Yeah. I think a movie where there's always a dashing guy who like saves the woman. I mean, I feel like that's such a common theme, especially the ones. Like Disney. Like yeah. We grew up with Yeah, but when yeah. I think, you know what's extraordinary? Somebody who is, oh, I, I almost want to say ordinary, who's not, I, I don't, I like these grand, 
I don't know. I, yes, I think how we grew up with, you know, thinking of Prince Charming and all this other shit. And somebody's going to sweep me off my feet. And the first time I meet you, it's like, oh, my God. I, like, honestly, the first couple of dates we went on, I was like, I don't know if he's even interested. Because he didn't even try to kiss me. And I just thought right. that. And it was like, and my mom was like, that's very polite. Yeah. And yes. I was like, I'm like, I'm sorry. And she's like, Gina, that's actually very polite. And I'm like, oh, really? Because usually my dates are like some guy with his hand down his, my pants or trying to bang me in the back of an Uber. Yeah. 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 He yeah. sounds like a good one. He does He's sound very, like Yeah. I mean, again, he- I don't know where this is going to go, but if I continue, if this doesn't work out, but I continue to make decisions centered around somebody who has a personality and characteristics, like this, I feel like we're on the right path. That is progress. And he sounds like the type of guy that in our 20s, we just don't appreciate. Agreed. Yeah. Or he's dating somebody out because he, you know, was in a relationship, in, like a normal functioning relationship and was like, exper- you know what I mean? Like just. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's always no, the guy. Has like balls to ask you around. He's like kind of a cocky douche. And then you're surprised when he acts like a cocky douche. Well, Dahlia talks a lot about that. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, and again, I say narcissist and, you know, it's extraordinary, but I think that, you know, it's like a shiny object and a promise that if you're with someone like this and if they, you know, if they like you, you're somehow worth more. Right. Um, whereas then we get older and we're like, no, I'm pretty good on my own. I don't need you to make me worth more. Right. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. You know, I, uh, that's what I think. Sharon, have you ever had a really bad date? Mm. Sharon's a baby. <laughs> no, I'm not a baby. I'm, I'm 34. Okay. But I've also been married. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I have been married for 12 years. <laughs> and that means that I didn't date. I and know, I was, and I, was I, I was very nerdy. What I did is as soon as I went to, so I went to NYU and I was, very lonely. And I feel like I've been lonely like most of my life um, because I'm not an only child, but my brother is nine years older mm. and we're very, very different. Like he's just very like, he's very techie and we we weren't close. So, and my parents were immigrants and were always stressed and busy and, you know, I was just alone a lot. <laughs> so I, um, <laughs> this is a very cheery story. Yeah, I was like, this is so sad. Um, no, cause I kind of related to what you were saying about being alone a lot as a kid and kind of mess that messing with you. And I went to NYU. It was the farthest that I was allowed to go. I grew up in Boston and my parents were like, you're not going to the West coast. You're not going here. You're not going there. So I was like, okay, let's go to NYU. And I, I always like had pretty bad generalized anxiety and I was very anxious about being away from home yeah. but I was I, I like intuitively knew that I needed to do it yeah like I, I intuitively knew that like I was only going to grow if I was pushed outside my comfort zone and I knew if I went to school in Boston I was going to be home every weekend and I was just going to be so cushy and pampered and I would just stay like 18 basically forever right. so I I forced myself and it was it was it was hard. like NYU it I don't want to talk shit about NYU, but Why? okay, you can, you can I'm talk gonna shit about anything. Well, I went to the College of Arts and Science because I wanted to be a nutritionist, but my parents are like, "No, we're not going to pay for school for you to be a nutritionist and not make any money." Um, so choose something else. And 
Uh, so I went to the College of Arts and Science, and <laughs> I, which is so much more practical, obviously. Right, and NYU is weird because <laughs> I know, right? I, that I was, is funny. I was an English psych major. Okay, that is so. funny. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's it's a weird school. Like it's not like your typical college campus where there's like a student body. Like you're just in the middle of the city and you're surrounded by yeah. There are some students, but everyone's spread out. And yeah. I was I was very lonely. So I was like, you know what? I can either make friends or I can find a boyfriend. And I was just very goal oriented. So I put myself on dating apps. Like I was 18. Interesting. Yeah. And I signed up for like J date. And I think there was maybe OkCupid at the time. Was it yeah. an app at that time? Yeah, that wasn't an app. Okay. It, so yeah. It okay. was a website. Now I think of everything in terms so of So do apps. I. I was just curious. Yeah. yeah. And um, I went on a lot of dates. And there was this one guy who just like repulsed me. But my. my and that's her husband. <laughs> <laughs> And 12 years later, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, my biggest problem was I was always too nice and I didn't know how to like, if somebody liked me, I kind of like what you were saying. Like I latched on to them because they liked me. Yeah. It was, it was like neediness to not be alone and to feel, I don't know, to, to have someone. So even if I didn't like them and then I was like, but then I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't know how to break this off. What a bad I, day like was. I never ghosted I didn't even know I, to like people ghosted me but I was like oh they must have lost my number <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll call them 14 times and leave messages because <laughs> I just lost my, I didn't understand I mean looking back I looked legitimately insane but there was there was a guy who really liked me but something about him repulsed me and he like wanted to make out and I didn't want to but I didn't want to hurt his feelings yeah. and like the kiss was like super slimy and I didn't know how to get rid of him that night. And it was just, it left me feeling like, okay, I better find my husband soon. Cause I can't do this. And then I did. <laughs> what was your first date with Ari like? Um, he, cause that was the worst for, bad first date well, story I've ever heard. So. Right. So I met Ari a few <laughs> months after. Yeah, that's awful. Um, a few months after I was, I really fell hard for this guy who was a traitor not a traitor. A traitor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what a traitor does, but I understand what you're talking about. Yes. And I, I always, I was almost bred to look for, you know, a good, cause my parents are immigrants. They're like, you know, and kind of probably more old fashioned, like, you know, look for a good provider and somebody who's ambitious. And so I was very attracted to like guys who were very like alpha, alpha, alpha. And I really liked this guy and he was, um, but he, he, you know, he would text me at like 2 a.m. for a booty call. And I, right. I'd be like, it doesn't feel right. And he, I wanted, he, I remember one incident where we went, it was July 4th. And like, we had just had like a, you know, hooking up session. And he ha was having a party later that night, but he didn't invite me to it. <laughs> but he asked me to go to the supermarket with him. So I went to the supermarket with him. And we were in the checkout line and he starts flirting with this older woman. So this guy was in his mid twenties. This woman must've been in her mid forties and she was like a hot, you know, she's very yeah. hot, but they looked exactly the same. Like I, I kept thinking like they look like they're related and they started flirting with each other. And I was like, he likes her because she looks like him and he's flirting right in front Which of me. True. I mean, yeah. And then I, I, um, I went home and I was really depressed and that was like it because I was alone on July 4th and I, 
it was just really sad. I'm starting to feel sad. I'm starting to feel very sorry for myself. I don't know if I want to go down this rabbit hole right now. But in in short, I it kind of traumatized me towards like I don't want to be with a guy who's such who's so into himself and treats me that way. I met my husband a few months later, and he was he was like what you're saying. Like he walked me to my door and he picked me up and he called later to see if everything was okay. And I was like wow, like this is the first normal person I've met. And then you know, I, I jumped in and for better or for worse, like I do think we are on a path and yeah. that was my path. But I do tell my daughters, like if you get married when you're 22, I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so into that however you want. <laughs> so you got married at 22? Yeah, and I thought I, I felt like, I thought I was like 45. Like I just felt oh, like I understood. Wow. And so there was quite like an evolution. You know, I'm not the same person. You're I was definitely I younger now than you were at 22, I think. Yes, and I think in a good way. I mean, I think I maybe it was hubris. Like I really felt like I was like an old soul and very mature, and I understood. I didn't. I never partied. I didn't want to. I didn't want to party my twenties away. I because I I didn't party to begin with. So I'm like, what am I going to do in my twenties? Like I found a nice guy, and he he's lovely, and I love him. And so like like let's do it. Like let's get started. I don't want to waste time. It was it was very strange in hindsight. Well, also he was older than you. He's six and a half years yeah. older. So yeah, it was, it's weird. Wow. I picked the wrong ask about dating stories. Sorry, <laughs> you opened that. Uh, verbal that like, but you know what though? That typically is the the norm because there was a statistic I read recently that was like the average woman will go on, you know will have two relationships in her lifetime and will go on about five dates, you know, five. Yeah. It's like, hold on. Actually don't, don't talk amongst yourselves. I don't want to fuck that up. Let me actually give you the goddamn (laughs) quote. Because I'm like, that sounds like my life. (laughs) Two relationships Uh, in five. Because I don't know how we're quantifying anything, but, but, but yeah, that was, I was two relationships in five dates. I mean, more or less. Yeah, I'm opening, I'm working on my book proposal and it's like one of the quotes in the book proposal. So hold on because my, my, my computer for some reason is a goddamn nightmare. There we go. They say the average woman will kiss 15 men, enjoy two long-term relationships and have her heart broken twice before she meets the one. Researchers found she will also suffer four disaster dates and be stood up only once before she finally settles down with the man of her dreams. And I said, they are wrong. (laughs) 15 by six and then come fucking talk to me. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I've never been stood up, but I'm also too old for the way dating is done now. You know, like the dating apps and everything. So, um... Although yeah, I'm in jail. I, I don't know either. Um, but it, I mean, the, the stats sound off, but I am excited that you're working on a book proposal. Yes. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. You know, oh, so it's so funny. I, I for some reason, people really are gravitating towards this podcast. Um, it's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that makes oh. sense. 
Thank you. Um, that's something I'm still learning how to do is take a compliment because I'm always like, no, I could really do this differently. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I heard that awkwardness. And then like your, your audience is interacting with you. And granted, they're just bashing the shit out of people. But be excited that you've got that awesome interaction, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. You're doing awesome. I just, I, I want, I, I think I say, I share this a lot. Like I really want the podcast to be something special. And every time where I get frustrated about quote marketability, right? Because even if you think of how would you traditionally, because podcasts are new and when you try to dissect how you would even want to market a podcast, like what do we do for marketing? Right. Well, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> we, so, have no clue. we have four listeners. Yeah, so, so we really don't. So I, 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 I'll share a little bit of that. So a lot of it, right, would be if I want to think about traditional marketing, that's not going to work anymore. What, am I going to fucking run an ad in a goddamn newspaper? No. 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 Or am I going to spend 30 grand on like a, a radio ad? No, like none of that. So when I think about bang for your buck, I thought, well, okay, I know social media marketing. So I think Instagram. But even as Instagram is starting to change where hashtags don't work as well anymore, follow, unfollow cycles and, and any growth software or growth strategy that you would typically implement when, for example, just Gina, even a couple years Gina, ago. Gina, I got to interrupt you because Sharon, is, <laughs> Sharon just got wide-eyed and is looking at me in panic and I just mouthed to her. I don't fucking know. I hear this all the time. I don't even know what an algorithm I'm is. Like, we we'll, need we'll to no, take notes. No, so confused. <laughs> Let me explain. So I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. So even the way, the way that social media works so that like, that, so that you have more visibility, for example, has changed. It used to be when Instagram first started, you know, you mm-hmm. would, you, you would see everybody that you're following, you would see all of their posts. Right. You right. know, like my mom would get, my mom had 300 followers and she would get like a hundred likes. Every time she posted yeah. something, but now the way that it works, it's it it well it doesn't. <laughs> so yeah. so where the struggle right. comes in is, for example, and I have a I have a client a potential well she's not a client because she doesn't want to pay. But when we are doing our initial phone call, you know she is, um, she's an esthetician and she also is a clinical. Uh, she's a registered nurse, so she's able to administer Botox and all that other stuff. And mm-hmm. she's like, you know, I don't understand why people aren't seeing my posts. So she, because she's, so if she has 500 followers, she doesn't get 500 likes every time she posts a photo. And right. So Instagram and Facebook, it's incentivized business owners because right now Instagram is free until it's not right. free. So when you're competing with other people who are paying for sponsored posts or, um, just like that kind of stuff where it's just difficult. And I know because again, with our, with the agency that I currently work with, we were helping people with growth strategy in the way that growth strategy was happening. When you see all these influencers who have 300,000 followers, they got in at the very beginning. Yeah, I agree. And they bought a lot of those followers. Right. So when I talk to brands, and this is something that's very frustrating for me, even the brands that we reach out to or reach out to us that want help with influencer marketing, and then they tell me, well, I care. I want somebody who has 300 followers, 300,000 followers. I say, get your fucking head out of your ass verbatim. Like, get your fucking head out of your ass because the person who has 
300,000 followers doesn't authentically engage with all 300,000 followers. One, because they're not real. I'll run an audit right now. Those people aren't fucking real. And two, you just can't possibly. You can't. Right. Because even right. I, on series of unfortunate dates, have 2,000 followers. And mm-hmm. I'll, post, I'll post something on an Instagram story. And I'll get 17 direct messages. I'll wake up in the morning sometimes and I'll get 25 direct messages. That is mm-hmm. a shit ton for 2,000. Yeah. Can you imagine if you had 300,000? Well, I know, so I'm in an online mentorship group for fitness and nutrition people, and it's run by, I don't know if you've ever heard him, Syatt Fitness, Jordan Syatt? No. Okay, so he, he, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just really have her own brand of celebrities, and they are all really cool, but like every time she's like, I'm sure you've heard of them, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> No. Yeah, I, I live in my own little world. Um, and he, he I, I'm very happy. Well, and it's also Mike Vacanti, but he's not very active on social media. And Jordan <laughs> has um, built his followers. He said from, I don't know, it was like in the tens of thousands to now he has like 450, but he did it by, by posting three times a day, every single day for a whole year, which is far and above what I could ever yeah, do. But- and I think time where it could grow like that and I do think it's changed it's changed we are past that you're talking to somebody who helps run a social media marketing agency that those times are gone yeah I agree I agree with that and people that were on the follow unfollow cycle meaning they well those that those no longer work they are done Instagram did two API up there they did a huge API update back in June that is over Wait a second. June is when I started noticing a huge slowdown in yeah. growth and everyone on the mentorship was like, do you guys notice that everything's yeah. slower? And That's because like, yeah, it's the- Instagram, Instagram cut the amount of actions by two thirds. So what you used to be able to do, what an, an action on an account would be a like, a comment, uh-huh. a follow, any action. Those are actionable items. So right. when you used to be able to follow 3000 people, in a day now for an example you now you can only follow a thousand or whatever it is but it, it's cut down by two-thirds plus. so so when other people were engaging um like you know and following and then unfollowing and i'm i test a lot of this software because that's my job like mm-hmm. that's what i do so i know also when i see influencers that are getting a lot of engagement which means they're getting a lot of comments i see mm-hmm. them in the same engagement pods and groups that that i'm in that force engagement and force likes a lot of oh. so what happens is is you can take a link to your i'm gonna fuck it i'm telling you right now the book that i end up writing is like the anthony bourdain version of outing instagram and social media oh, i will be the first person to buy it i am like <laughs> sitting all, here we are all circle jerking not to get this is like linkedin to me is a goddamn fucking circle jerk look at all my accolades i'm this great like i like what do you mean like, I'm so sick of, if one more person messages me on LinkedIn trying to sell me some fucking bullshit and marketing, oh, lead list, suck a dick. Like, I'm done. And like, I feel like it's, it's like, it's social media bukkake. I'm like swatting dicks away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
I'm like, sorry, I just like word vomited all over you. But yeah, but they're like, so Sharona keeps mouthing to me. She's like, this is so good. Yeah, because I was just talking to my husband yesterday and he's like, I don't understand what you're doing on Instagram and you're spending all this time on Instagram and they're changing the algorithm. No one's going to see your shit and you're just wasting time and you're behind and Instagram's fucking you over. I'm like, okay, but what do I do? Uh oh. Hold on. Hold on. There? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> but so, wait, so are you saying that, that the, the not, this book proposal is, in fact, your way to actually make money off of this? So the book is just an opportunity for me. So I don't anticipate making that I'm going to, I mean, maybe I'll make money off of it, but I don't, that's not my intent. My intent is that I just really love engaging with people and I really love yes. the podcast. And this isn't about money. I have a, I have a day job. If it turns into something, great. I'm working with a marketing, uh, well, not a marketing, I'm working with a talent agency here in LA who would like me to host a show. Um, yeah, you had mentioned that a few months ago, a TV show, we were saying, right? Yeah, yeah, so there's some opportunities for that. If it goes in that direction, I would be forever humbled. I mean, what an awesome opportunity. But I don't, I never sought out to be like, I'm going to be fucking Oprah. I've never like... <laughs> Woken up, you know, do I think about, I, I think about being able to reach a larger audience because I know that the current audience that I have really seems to enjoy this. And so I think about being able to reach more people and having them enjoy it. But that's the extent of it. Because honestly, I think about, so this book is, is about, you know, a woman who went on a hundred dates looking to find a man and then quite honestly found herself. And I don't want to be super cliche in that. It's going to be very jokey because a lot of these stories are silly um but i think that you know even some of like some of the the themes that i've even learned over the last four years in dating like like one chapter is about forgiveness i mean i i dated somebody who gave me an std and like left me a, a broken shell of a human and i went to go podcast with him and i was like i forgive you <laughs> because because I harbored so much anger and resentment towards this man for years. And it was my goal to ruin his life. And the only wow. person who was suffering in this whole thing was yeah. me. Yeah. That's big. That's huge. That's like a, that's, that's big. I'm excited Wait. at the idea of you writing a book. Can we go back to Instagram? Yeah. So what do we, <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> you know, I, at this point, I'm not. I'm still trying to figure that out. I know that the, a lot of growth strategy would be around sponsored posts. So a little bit of money at it. Right, right. Makes sense. Why are you so against it? Well, I did. I mean, I, I did it as an experiment, but I was so stupid. I just did it with like a picture of my face and yeah, they got like, I think I was dumb. Got it. Yeah. And this is obviously something that we can talk about offline because I'm happy to experiment and help with you. The other part of it too is like, you know, engaging with people who have a larger following and then they, you guys kind of cross promote. I've reached out to some people who have large followings on Instagram and they basically tell me to suck a fat dick, you know, or I mean, in a mirror, you know, or, or like they want me to pay them. And I'm like, listen, this is where, this is where good ideas go to die then you know whatever happened like just 
And then I did drop the ball. There's one girl in New York who's got a, a dope podcast. And then I couldn't figure out how to record with her. So then I kind of dropped the ball because I didn't know this was a while ago. I think her podcast is called We Met at Acme. Um, what is it called? We Met at Acme, but she's got a relationship podcast. She seems kind of cool. Um, but I just couldn't, I couldn't, I never responded. It was like, she, I was like, oh, can we move this to via email? And she was like, aren't we kind of emailing? Because we were doing the DM thing. Uh, <laughs> that's something I would do. Yeah, and then I was like, I'm like, I'm, I'm bad at this. And then I just didn't follow up. I might try to follow up again. But, like, she's got 25,000 followers. And, you know, wow. I'm happy to, I just like to talk to people. Like, again, if this turns into something special in the, well, it's something special. But if this turns into something that would potentially pay me, that's great. But I think also with a book and, and having a podcast and an opportunity to do speaking engagements, all of that sounds really fun to me. It, it, it's, it's funny. So um, I have a, so I'm a writer also. I have a, whatever, I have a fiction agent, but then a friend of mine asked me to co-write a book on happiness with her, which went pretty well in that one of our meetings we had to cancel because we were both too depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm too depressed. And I was like, are you writing a book about happiness? <laughs> like, That's so good. So it's, the book is coming out in, it's called 10 Steps to Find Your Happy or something-ish along those ways. I keep mishashtagging it. Anyways, and so it's coming out in March and it's like, it's being re- released. Apparently, the United Nations has a day of happiness. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I don't know. it's being released in conjunction with or like as uh, supported by, I, I don't know. We were one of the books that got approved as part of this shtick. I'm yeah. obviously not involved in the business end of this. And then I also got a bunch of expert writers. Sharon is one of them. I have like an art therapist, a dance therapist. And so this book is coming out and that's fantastic. And then, of course, the punchline is how much do you make on a book? And it's like a dollar per book or like, you know, a dollar split between two people or something insane where it's like, well, at least I get to. It's always been my childhood dream to have a book with my name on it. So it won't be one. <laughs> and yeah, it can help I think, people. I think part yeah. of it is, is that book. And then if it's marketed correctly, then it's shopping for the second or third. If you think about Elizabeth Gilbert, she wrote a lot of books before Eat Pray. Yeah. You know, it's not. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'm. I started. You know, one of the reasons I was so interested in talking to you is because I work with a lot of like 25 to 42 year old women who are like, you know, they all have these very set notions about why they can't find love, and you know, most half of them are hungover and their ex and whatever. Yeah. And so, a lot of my, I'd say the last two years, a lot of my work has been on dating, and you know swiping and you know presenting yourself and all these other things so I sort of in order you know in light of all the frustrations that go along with actually publishing this you know going through publication marketing marketing distribution for some reason my co-writer get in Barnes and Nobles and so now that's for some reason I'm trying to climb that corporate ladder where I'm like I don't even know where there's a Barnes and Nobles but I don't know if people went to bookstores well that's my point but regardless I don't love it's not worth an argument, you know, no, no, it's, it's one more right. venue. But right. so my uh, my um, energy has gone into, you know, writing about um, like dating and then relationships and sort of uh, putting that sort of a, a spin on it. Um, and, and as to why like the successful, beautiful, you know, 
or successful, attractive, competent women in their, you know, later-esque stage of their life can't seem to, you know, find it, find a mate. Cause I yeah. feel like it's. Yeah. And I, I think in some of my own self-discovery in this, it's been something that's been very helpful for me is assuming a bit more of a feminine role yeah. and, and, and stepping into my feminine a little bit more and being a little bit more nurturing um, because a, a reoccurring theme in most of my dating, aside from me being drunk and high for the majority of it, um, which then your intuition is way off because yeah. for me, when I'm yeah. drunk and high or, you know, after a whole bunch of cocaine, I'm like, look at me. <laughs> you know, look at all the things I can do. I can fucking juggle. I can race you. I'm, you know, and it's like, what, what? Oh, oh, you have a job. I have a job. Oh, you have a career. Well, let me tell you about my career. And it's like, I feel like I get into this back and forth dance of who has a bigger dick. Um, yeah. And and not to say, but like, yes, women are strong, capable beings. Yes, but if you are looking for quote a real man. Well, allow him to be a man. We well, don't allow them. We are like, I can do everything you can do better. What? Right. I hear a lot of women say, fuck men. And I'm like, what man wants to date that? You beat the yeah. shit out of them. Wouldn't you say what makes you successful and driven in the workforce works against you in this dynamic? Because Especially with cocaine, I would say. Yeah, well, because the work. <laughs> It values a masculine energy, a very kind of more left-brained approach, maybe, and and that's not that's not tapping into your that's not tapping into your feminine. I'm sorry, I, had to, I got a call. Yeah, that's what it made. Yeah, me it, what's successful yeah. in one your right. life is not necessarily successful in your your other. Persona. It works against you. Yeah. It works if against. You- I I I genuinely think it works against you. I think yeah. I think this is about you know, being, and, and as it's stepping into the feminine, being a little softer. And this is something I fought my parents on. And I fought them on. I like over, and I'm like, why do I have to change? Why do I have to change? Well, quite frankly, the common denominator in a lot of my behavior is that you. I don't like, that I don't <laughs> fucking like, that's not fucking working for me is me. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, so, you know, I'm going out every night, getting fucking hammered, doing a whole bunch of blow, bringing some guy home, fucking the shit out of him. I'm I'm evolved because I'm a strong woman that makes decisions, and I chose you to bring you home to fuck you. And then I'm right. like, this isn't going. What am I doing? Yeah, that goes beyond girl power. That's just girl sabotage. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say that's that's just sabotage. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and that's I think part of the thing. That- you know, that we need to understand and learn from. And also the same way, like when we are in business or corporate situations, we need to bring out the balls to the wall more rather than being, you know, passive yeah. and nurturing. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. 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 You know, so it's very interesting. Uh, well, I well, feel like Gina, we love you. Yeah, we're Sharon, is, Sharon is, I'm pretty sure just, you know. I fangirl hard. I fangirl hard. <laughs> Hard. This is very so, lovely, guys. This was so lovely. This was very good. I'm so excited. I do hope we do this again because I have like 8,000 other 
things I want to yes. talk to you. Yes. And let's hear again where everyone can find Gina. Yes. And yes. her podcast. Yes. So I am on, I'm on Instagram. Motherfuckers. <laughs> no, uh, it's, I'm on Instagram at series of unfortunate dates, or if you want to just, I'm like, or me, just me as a human is Gina, G-I-N-A-R-U-C-C-I-O-N-E, Gina Ruccioni. Um, that's more of my like work in artsy bullshit. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I'm on iTunes, Spotify and everything else. Like we, we anywhere you can listen. Yeah. Yes, we want it all. Want now it all. you're going to be Sharon's new guru. Yes. Oh, yay. Okay. Get ready for the shrine. Get ready for the shrine <laughs> and stocky behavior. <laughs> um, and um, so our four readers, I think one other person said they were reading. Oh, listening. listening whatever. Stop. We've That's actually, just our common joke. We've actually gotten more in. So let's be proud. We have 12, I think. No, no I'm just kidding. Stop this it. Is, this is our common joke. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm taking it back. He needs a nap. Okay. <laughs> taking it back. Thank you for listening to Neurotic Nourishment. Thank you, Gina, for Thank joining you us. Thank you so much. This is uh, Weisner at Psych Shrink Mom. Sharon Sapir at Sapir Nutrition. And we don't have a jingle or a song. No, so we're just going to hang up awkwardly. All right. Thank <laughs> you, Gina. Talk to you Bye, soon. ladies. Bye. Bye.